Having a program that disciples children is being obedient to what God has instructed us in His Word. Kids are clearly woven into the fabric of God's plans as we see them mentioned over 8,000 times throughout Scripture. Matthew 19, 14 says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The Lord has given us countless evidence in His Word that His heart for kids and their role in the kingdom has been true from the very beginning. This has not changed, and it will never change. This is why children's ministry is so important. It gives kids an opportunity to not only learn about their Creator, but to understand their role in growing God's kingdom. We feel as children's ministry staff members, it is our job to create environments that prompt excitement to learn about our Creator. When kids are excited to come to church, it yields a strong church community. And a strong children's program grows a church from the outside, bringing in new families who did not previously attend church. These young children will eventually be our future, and we are responsible for giving them a firm foundation in Jesus that will continue to grow with them. In Deuteronomy 6, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I, that I give to you today are to be put on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Deuteronomy 6 was not spoken to an individual family unit. It was meant for the entire family of God. This means that single people, empty nesters, orphans, teenagers, and the elderly are all included in this mandate for faith to be passed on to the next generation. Children's ministry volunteers have a unique opportunity to share what they've learned throughout the course of their life and make a positive impact on the life of a child. Committing to the discipleship of the next generation is a commitment that shapes the way a community continues in its faithfulness to God. Jesus says when we welcome children in His name, we welcome Him. Here's the thing that blows our mind about children's ministry. To spend time with children is to spend time with Jesus and get to know Him better. So here's our final pitch. As you're learning about your spiritual gifts this month and you feel you can positively impact the life of a child for God's kingdom, or if you want to get to know Jesus better through a child from helping at the check-in station to assisting with technology or even teaching in the classroom, there's a place to use your gifts to serve our kids. Please see Piper or Aubrey at Gateway Taze Valley or Melissa and Michelle at Gateway St. Albans or Russ and Tanya at the Beckley campus. Why is this ministry important? Student ministry was the beginning for everything for me, for finding out who I was through Christ. Now I say that because I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad were fantastic people. My dad's a minister, but it wasn't until somebody outside of my family actually cared about me spiritually that I began this journey. My youth minister invested in me. He, he, he took the time to notice me, to spend time with me, and to teach me more about not just myself, but about who Christ was. And the longer that I realize is that's exactly what we're trying to do, the best that we can with these middle schoolers and high schoolers. In Ecclesiastes chapter one, it says, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. And the idea is that the generations will always be changing, will always be finding someone new to do something. And the legacy that we have, the identity that we have is in Jesus alone. Yeah, and we can't do this ministry without our volunteers, without our amazing volunteers. They are so important and vital with building up this next generation and just pouring into them. I mean, we have uh, some volunteers here at the St. Albans yeah. campus that do free music lessons for our students 
every Sunday after church, uh, just on their own time, their uh, their own uh, volition. Is that a word? Is that is that the right word? We'll count it. Okay. And we also have our, our volunteers are so important for our events, our retreats at Howes Mill, and just our our Wednesday night small groups. They give our students uh, a safe place to to come and talk about life uh, and, and just to pour into their lives uh, and and to build them up in Christ. So we can't do it without you guys. And we want to invite you uh, to come join us in our ministry uh, as we help lead students um, to Christ uh, through Gateway Christian Church. So if you have any other questions or want to know how else you can serve, please reach out to Luke, myself, or Dwayne down in our Beckley campus, and we would love to invest into you so you can invest into the students. Well, good morning to all of you here this morning. My name is Brian Dillon. I'm the campus minister over at our Taze Valley campus, and uh, I'm happy to have the privilege of being here with you all once again. Uh, Pastor Dave is in Mississippi this weekend, and so that gives me the opportunity to come over here, and it's good to be with all of you here this morning. Uh, Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we're glad that you're here with us this morning. Well, we're in week three of this series titled Available, and we hope that by now you have felt something stirring inside of your soul, a prompting by the Holy Spirit to make yourself available to be used by God in the church. We hope that you've seen the example that that Isaiah set, and you've seen that we are not simply saved to rest in our forgiveness and our salvation, but we are saved to serve others. When Isaiah, he, when he had his moment in Isaiah chapter 6, when he saw the Lord high and exalted, when he was confronted with his own sin and then his sin was wiped away, he immediately answered the call of the Lord, here am I, send me. And in a similar way, your sin has been removed. Your guilt has been cleared away and you can make yourself available to the Lord by answering the call on your life. And each week we are asking the same question, will you make yourself available? This morning we heard from our Next Generation Ministries in that video, and in many ways the Next Generation Ministries, well, they're the most important ministries in the church. And that might be hard to hear as an adult, uh, and certainly, we, we love you, and we're glad that you're here and a part of the church, and we are trying to minister to you too. But without a strong next-generation ministry, your, your church is destined to die. And that's why we take our next-generation ministry so seriously here at Gateway. Uh, we strive to do more than just put warm bodies in volunteer roles. We are looking for people that can lead and mentor our next generation people who can provide another Christian adult to speak in to these kids' lives and and many times reinforce what you might be already teaching at home. As a parent, you know how this goes. You could say something a thousand times to your kid and they roll their eyes, but when somebody at church or school or somewhere, a, a coach tells them something, they go, you know, I've never heard that before. And you're just like, yeah, right? That happens all the time. And so I guess what I'm saying is uh, we're looking to make you mad, okay? We're looking to get more people in these, your kid's life that can make you mad. 
When they say something, they speak a truth that you've been teaching at home and just reinforce that. We're looking for more Christian adults in our kids' lives, people who will show up and be present with these kids, who will take seriously their role in the life of these kids. And more than that, when you volunteer in these areas, you are impacting the church in ways that you may not realize. Many parents will join a church because of its strong next-generation ministry, and maybe that's why you're here today. Uh, Many parents will, will stay in a church for that same reason, because to many of us, our kids are the most important thing. We want to make sure they are taken care of. We come secondary. And so a lot of times a family starts coming to church because of a church's strong next-generation ministry. And so in that, you're helping the church reach adults while you're also reaching kids. Again, our next-generation ministries might just be our most important ministries in the church. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you feel like the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart and he's pushing you towards serving within our next generation ministries, please listen to it. Yes, we can probably do this without you, but it could be so much better with you. If you have a heart for kids or students, or if you have a spiritual gift that you can use in these ministries, if you have abilities that you can use for these kids, then please get in the game and do it. Use them. Because each week that you make the decision to ignore the calling on your life to serve our kids and be there for our kids is another week that these kids are missing out on something really great. As you know, we've been working our way through our SHAPE acronym as we've discussed how we have been shaped by God for ministry in the church. We believe that God had a hand in making you who you are, that he formed you with a specific plan and purpose in mind for your life. In Job 10.8, Job says, your hand shaped me and made me. And we believe that to be true of us as well. The next time you think, that you have no direction or purpose in your life, that you think that you don't have anybody counting on you, that there's nothing that you can contribute to this world, remember that God has had a direction and a purpose for your life, every single one of our lives, since you were in the womb. It's just up to to us to follow him so we can discover what that purpose is. Now, we've already covered the first two letters of our SHAPE acronym, uh, talking about discovering and using your spiritual gift in the first week. And then last week, we talked about allowing God to stir something in your heart and being willing to become the answer to your own prayer if God would so choose, just like the prophet Nehemiah. And that brings us to the letter A this morning. And we are going to be talking about making ourselves available to God with our abilities. Each of us have unique abilities or talents that can be used in the service of the Lord. Now, when we talk about talent, perhaps you have, or have watched or you are a fan of the popular show, America's Got Talent. And on this show, uh, this is a show where ordinary people get to display their unique talent in a competition to win fame and fortune. Now, some of the most popular singers in our culture today first appeared on America's Got Talent, Uh, but the talent that you see on the show is not just about singing. On on this show, there are are dancers or or teams of dancers. Uh, There's musicians of all sorts. There's magicians and puppeteers and mimes and jugglers and actors and regurgitators. 
Yes, I said regurgitators, uh, hula hoopers, gymnasts, climbers, and even Donald Trump impersonators. And if you begin a YouTube search of America's Got Talent performances, uh, you could be sucked down a rabbit hole for hours. And my one plea with you this morning is don't do that during my sermon. Uh, you know what? If you feel bored, go to sleep, all right? Just don't be on YouTube during my sermon. There's plenty of hours at your job tomorrow to waste on YouTube, okay? So just wait till then. But I think the point of the show, as indicated by producer Simon Cowell, is to give not just singers and musicians an opportunity to show their talents, but anyone with any talent has the same opportunity. Now, unlike a, a spiritual gift, your talents or abilities, they may not uh, directly affect or be useful to the kingdom of God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't use your abilities or enjoy your abilities. While all things might not be good for the kingdom of God, it doesn't make all things or anything that can't be used bad. Now, remember Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Last week, we looked at the life of Nehemiah and his passion and his heart for the people of, of Israel, for God's people, and for the city of Jerusalem. And, and when he heard the news of the shape they were in, the people and the walls, oh man, he was moved to tears. He wept, he mourned, and he prayed for the people, and then he got to work. And his passion inspired the whole city to use their abilities for the work of the Lord. If you read through Nehemiah chapter 3, you'll see that city leaders were working next to priests who were working next to goldsmiths and, and merchants and other ordinary citizens, all working together to rebuild the city walls. And they got the job done despite constant opposition from the outside because they had a mind to work, and because they each used their abilities to work together to complete the job that was set before them. Now this morning, we're going to be going through Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 14. And this is where Jesus tells the parable of the talents. Now, if you have your Bible with you this morning, you can go ahead and head over to Matthew 25, 14. We're going to be coming back in just a moment. Now, the word talent here refers to a sum of money. And if you have the new NIV version, if you're on the Bible app, whatever it looks like, uh, they've already replaced uh, talent with a bag of gold. Uh, but in the older translations, it just says the parable of the talents. And, and you might have a footnote in your Bible that says that when it talks about a talent, it's talking about a sum that is more than $1,000. And, and while some of you might have a talent that, or an ability that you think somebody would pay $1,000 to see, uh, that's not what we're talking about this morning. We're actually talking, that, it's actually talking about money in that passage. And so if you're thinking of it like a bag of gold or money, then you'd be on the right track. And while this parable, what Jesus is talking about, he's actually talking about money. And no, we're not trying to say, well, actually, Jesus is referring to our abilities when he talks about the talents. That's we're acknowledging that it's about money, but this story is about something much bigger than just bags of gold, than just bags of money. It's about being accountable to God for what God has given to each one of us, whether that's money or family or spiritual gifts, or in our case this morning, our abilities 
and our talents. It's about being a good steward of what God has blessed us all with. So let's look at what Jesus has to say in Matthew 25, verse 14. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags of gold, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the one who had received one bag of gold came. Now, this guy reminds me, I don't know if you, when you were in school, if you ever did an assignment and you weren't real sure how to do an assignment, uh, but then when people started like giving presentations or turning their work in, you had that, that startling realization that you did the assignment completely wrong. Like, oh boy, I have not. And you know that your time is coming to make your presentation. That's how I feel like this guy is right now. He's sweating. He's like, I did it wrong. I, clear, I thought I did the right thing. I dug a hole in the ground and that's what I thought was right. But he's really happy with these guys because they like doubled theirs and I don't have another one and now he's going to be real upset. And so now he's like, He's sitting in the back like, oh, i got to come up with a good story. And that's where we're at here. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, "I, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. It's like he's trying to like butter up the master like, oh, you're such a great guy. You're so powerful. And so I was afraid and went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. I still have the one bag, at least. I didn't lose it. Here it is. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so from this parable, we want to look at four steps this morning for using our abilities and service of the Lord through the church. The first step is to know what you have. So one of the notable things about this story is that the master didn't give an equal amount to each servant. To one he gave five, to another he gave two, and to the last he gave one. And in verse 15, Jesus says that this was decided according each to his ability, each according to his ability. 
In our world today, we tend to want to make everything the same. We want to make everything equal. We want equality and everything across the board. In our society, well, they, they want everybody to be free to express themselves however they see fit, to be whomever they want to be. Yet ironically, by saying that everybody can do everything, we actually have diminished our abilities in some areas. In our pursuit for equality, we've forgotten some of the strengths that make us different. In our pursuit to break down gender roles, we have forgotten what uniquely makes us a man or a woman. In our pursuit to be colorblind in an attempt to diffuse racial tensions, we ignore some of the really cool things that make us unique, that, that affect who we are. Friends, it's okay to be different. It's okay to be different from other people. It's okay to be good at something and bad at other things. You know, there are a lot of times in my life where I would, I would love to be able to play the piano or the guitar. I would love to be musically inclined like that. But I don't have that ability, and that's okay. Once I, I bought a guitar, and I was so excited. I was going to learn. I was going to teach myself. YouTube can teach you anything, right? And so I bought that guitar, and I tried, and I could not do it. I could not get my fingers in the right places, and I, it, it hurt, and it was really hard. Nobody told me it was that hard, right? YouTube can't teach you everything, right? Because I didn't have that ability. I was not blessed with that ability. And you know what? That's okay. I sold the guitar for $10 at a garage sale. You know, I learned my lesson. You know, I've always skewed more towards athletics. And I bet there are people that can really play a musical instrument that would love to be better at sports. It's okay to be different, to not be able to do something that somebody else can. Because most likely, you're really good at something that they're not good at, okay? And so if somebody steps up and really shows you up at something, it's better to just go, that was awesome, than be like, let me show you how it's done, right? Sometimes we just have different abilities. People are better at things than we are, and that's okay. But it's like our society thinks that we need to be all tens across the board, perfect at everything, and be able to do everything, and everybody is able to do and can do everything, and it's like telling somebody they're not a 10 at something is viewed so negatively. Understand that whatever abilities you have or that you don't have, it doesn't change the way that God loves you. I think our society would do well to follow that model as well, that the amount of ability that we have in something does not affect how we love you or how we treat you. And if we didn't look down upon people or hurl insults at people or hold people back or love them less because they can't do something as well as we can, then maybe we would all get along so much better. Listen, no matter what your abilities are, they don't make you any less important to the work of the Lord. Because we serve a God that can do anything with anybody. And if you aren't good in something, he'll find something, good that you're, something that you are good at and use you that way. See, we're all different. And God knows our differences. He knows our abilities and our limitations. He knows because he's the one that made you that way. He's the one that blessed you with that ability. He knit you together for a specific purpose. And when we get lost in the weeds of trying to be, some, trying to be a good, as good at something as somebody else or trying to be a perfect ten across the board, we lose sight of the purpose that our creator has set before us. And in Jesus' parable, every man receives something. Even though they received different things or different amounts, they all received something. They all walked away there from the initial meeting with something. And we need to remember that though we ha might have been given different abilities than somebody else, or we might have less abilities than somebody else, we have not been left empty-handed. 
And as hard as it is to accept that maybe we were given less, remember that Jesus also said in Luke 12 that to whom much is given, much is expected. So there's less of a burden there. The hard truth is that some people might be able to handle that burden and some might not. And that's okay. We have a tendency to think less of the man in the story that only received that one talent. Oh, clearly, you know, he's less. Jesus didn't, or the master didn't trust him with much, as much. But just remember that the man with five and the man with two had the same reaction, right? They both did the same thing, but it wasn't like, well, you had 10 and, where, and you had four. Where's the other six, right? Each went according to his ability. And so, Though we have less, we tend to think less of that man, or we tend to think less of people, or insult people uh, that have less, or we feel insulted if we realize that maybe we don't have as much ability. You are who you are. This is who you were created to be, who you are right now, and accepting who you are, and knowing what you have instead of comparing yourself to others and putting yourself down can go a long way toward a healthy mental and emotional state. The second step with our abilities is to be willing to work. How how does the man here with five talents double his investment? Is he blessed with the Midas touch? Everything he touches turns to gold. Everything he touches doubles. Is he rumpelstiltskin? Did he he place his bets on, on the right horse at the track? Or did Jerusalem State cover yesterday? No. Jesus tells us in verse 16 that he went at once and put his money to work. It's important that we don't miss that. He went to work so he could double his investment. He knew he had to do something with what he had been given. It wasn't going to come easily. To double his investment, he was going to need a lot of preparation and continued diligence. He put in the work, and he saw his talents double. And the servant with two talents did the same. They went to work, and they doubled their investment. But the man who received one talent didn't go to work. He decided to bury his in the ground. I mean, what good was that going to do? What did he expect to happen? I don't know if he was trying to grow the world's first money tree or what he was doing, but regardless, Jesus said, you are wicked and lazy. And the same can be true of our abilities. Because even people with the utmost ability in in an area, well, you can always get better. I don't know how many sports fans we have, but how many times have you seen an athlete make it to the pros where they excelled all the time in in high school and college, but they get to the pros and they bust because for the first time, it's a level playing field. Every other player on the field is as good or better than they are. And they might have gotten through on their natural God-given ability in high school. They were head and shoulders above the rest. Most pro players are. And then you get to college and most pro players are better Uh, at least a little better than every other player on the field. But when they get to the pros, wow, everybody's that talented, right? It's the best of the best. And it's determined by how hard you work, how far you're going to go. And so if you don't have a good work ethic, if you never learn a good work ethic, there is a ceiling to your potential. See, the man with five talents, he could have chosen to bury what he received just like the other guy did. And if you do the math, In the end, he still would have had more than the other two if they had doubled their talents. See, he would have come back with five, and and the other two would have said, well, I had four, and I had two. And that guy, if it was all about how many talents you brought back, 
The guy that originally received five would have still won, right? But it wasn't about that. It was about the work that was put in. Because that guy didn't rest simply on what he had been given. He went to, do, he went to work to do his part on maximizing what he had been given. And it's the same with our talents and abilities as well. Now, I know a willingness uh, to work is a little bit of a hot-button issue, a sensitive subject in our world today, because it seems like just about everywhere you go, uh, everywhere has a sign that says, now hiring, right? Now hiring full-time, part-time, managers, somebody, warm bodies, right? Like that's uh, everybody, it seems like every sign everywhere you see isn't advertising specials anymore. It's not advertising you know, whatever they would advertise, it's advertising, we need you. We're now hiring everywhere. And a lot of people, when they blame that on the belief that nobody wants to work right now, it seems like many people who are capable of working uh, may instead be just choosing to sit at home and take advantage of the system. And if that's true, and if that's happening, then it's frustrating for those that go to work every day. But what about your work ethic when, when it comes to the abilities that God has given you? Is there a now hiring sign with your abilities? Are, are you putting in the work that are you putting in the work to use your abilities for the Lord? Are, are you doing your best to maximize what God has given to you? What abilities and talents could you be using for the kingdom that instead you have buried in the ground? And think about the frustration that you might sometimes feel when you go to your favorite restaurant and there's an hour-long wait, or they're closed completely because they're so understaffed. And you think, man, why don't people just work? Why, why th These people can't even stay open because nobody wants to work anymore. Or think about all the shipping delays that we're facing and then the lead up to Christmas and how frustrated you might be when that gift isn't under the tree on Christmas morning because of a shipping delay or when inventory is so low due to a lack of workers. And then think about the disappointment or frustration that God might have when he sees us sitting on our amazing abilities, the things that he has given us with a, create, with a purpose, the things we were created to do, and instead of using them and working at them, we're burying them or we're just sitting on the sidelines. Think about the times that you've seen a need, something that you're really good at, that you would excel at, something that just comes easily for you, and you decide to let, ah, just let somebody else do it instead. Think about the times that you've said no to the church because you're too busy. You're too busy using your talents and your abilities elsewhere. What are the areas of, uh, what areas of the church are, uh, are suffering or, or we're unable to reach because people choose not to put the work in? In Proverbs 6, Solomon says, Go to the ant, you slugger, consider its ways, and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Now let's listen to the next few verses. Solomon says, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. And last week at the end of our message, we talked about uh, our heart is like a well that when it's not used Often it will dry up because our heart needs to be used on a consistent basis. And this kind of seems like if we're not going to put the work in, eventually our abilities, we're not going to be able to use our abilities. 
We also talked about last week how Mordecai said to his cousin Esther, you have been put in a place for such a time as this, and maybe you have been put in a place right now for such a time as this to use the abilities that you've been given. Are you going to work at it? Number three, we have to get creative with our abilities. The man with the one talent, he, he lacked creativity when it came to what to do with his money. All he, all he could think to do was, uh, I'm just going to bury it. That's all I can think to do right now. And often the difference between success and failure is not the amount of ability that you have, but the amount of creativity that you use. It wasn't the amount of talents that they brought back. It was the amount of creativity, the work they put in when they came back. God can use whatever abilities that you might have for his glory and his purpose, but you have to be willing to do your part and see the opportunities in front of you with how to use those abilities. So whatever your ability is, ask yourself, how can I use this to further the work of the church? What are the things that I'm really good at that I could use through the church to reach the lost? How can I help others with my ability? How can I give God the glory with my ability? And ask God to show you the ways that you can use your abilities for him. Now, earlier we mentioned that not every ability is for use in the church. For instance, if you're great at regurgitating, I, I don't know where that's going to fit in. I don't, there's not a spot on the worship team for you. Uh, but I'm also confident that, that God has given you more than just the one ability, okay? And if regurgitating is all you got, I'm sorry. But... On the other hand, maybe at first blush your ability seems like it's not for the kingdom, but perhaps it opens doors or, or puts you in situations that you otherwise wouldn't have had, had access to without that ability. Because God can use anything and anybody, even a regurgitator. And so maybe you're really, there's, you're really good at sports or you're really good at music or all these other things that your ability puts you in a situation that you would not have been in without that ability. Always be looking for opportunities to get creative with your ability. Because once you know what you have and you're willing to work, there are numerous possibilities if you get creative. The great Colonel Sanders, and I hope you know that name. If you don't, just look at the corner down here. He's on the KFC sign. Uh, Colonel Sanders started Kentucky Fried Chicken, and he said that the ingredients in his special chicken recipe uh, could be found in any cupboard, on any cupboard shelf in America. But the reason his recipe was so different was because of his creativity and how he put the ingredients together. See, our world is full of people who saw a need, who had an ability, and who put those two together in a creative way to create a solution. Each of us have a unique ability but you have to know what you have and you have to be willing to work at it and you have to get creative with it. And then lastly, you have to have the right motivation. That's our fourth step this morning. Looking back at Jesus' parable in verse 25, the man with the, talent, the one talent says, I was afraid, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. He, this man, he allowed his fear to stifle his ambition and his creativity. See, fear is going to paralyze you and keep you from reaching your potential if you allow it to rule your life. And it can come in all forms. It can come in the fear of failure or the fear of rejection, the fear of criticism, the fear of pain. 
And I'm sure that the other two who received talents in this story, they at least considered that, like, if I go out on a limb here, if I put myself out there, there's the chance that I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose my five. I'm going to lose my two. And what if I come back empty-handed then? But they didn't allow their fear to cripple them. But the man with the one talent was motivated, motivated by his fear when he decided to bury his bag, and that decision cost him dearly. And so are there areas in your life that you're motivated by fear right now, that you're held back by the fear of putting yourself out there, by the fear of rejection, by the fear of what might happen? Are you being kept from using your abilities because of your fear? Are you being paralyzed and being kept from working for the kingdom because of your fear? Friends, if that's you this morning, I want you to remember that we can take heart because we have a Savior who has overcome the world. And there's a lot of things in this world that might instill fear in you, that might say, don't do it because, don't go after this because, what happens if? But when Jesus is the king of your life, we can take heart because he's overcome all of those fears. Everything this world could throw against you, he has experienced, and he's overcome. And he's called you to service. Not just a life of salvation, not just a life of forgiveness, but a, call, a life of service and making disciples to use the abilities that you have been given by God and the church and for his kingdom. And so stop allowing fear to motivate your inaction. And instead, let your love for Jesus motivate you to give him all that you have. Let your obedience to Jesus motivate you to follow him in every way with every part of your life. Because one day we're going to have to give an account for what we've done with what we've been given by the master. And so you have to know what you have. And you have to be willing to work. You have to get creative and you have to uh, let love and obedience motivate you to use what you've been given. You were made with a purpose. All of us in this room this morning, all of us online, every person everywhere was knit together with a purpose in mind. You were made to reach the lost and to make disciples. So in what ways can you use your talents and abilities that you've been given to serve the king? Because we have a king, we have a savior named Jesus who went to the cross for each one of us. Not just so that we could live in forgiveness, not so that we could live in salvation, but that we could go and serve the world and let others know about the hope and the love that he provides. And so our hope is that like Isaiah, when we saw our sin and we were washed clean of it, our atonement was put forth for our sins, our hope is that you will see Jesus on the cross and say, my sins have been forgiven. He has taken them all away. Now let me get, use what I have been given to reach the lost and make disciples. Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful for your, for your enormous love for each one of us. Father, from the very beginning, from the time that we were in our mother's womb, you have put us together. You have given us abilities. You have given us gifts that we can use for your kingdom. And so, Father, if we've come here this morning and there are ways that we have been pushing you aside, that we have been ignoring you, that we feel a call in your life, but we say, I don't have time right now. 
I pray that you would break down those barriers, break down those excuses, break down the walls around our heart. Because there are so many people around us every day, so many people in our community right now that need to hear about Jesus. Father, we live in such a broken and fallen world. There is pain and sadness around us every day. People are doing all kinds of things to, to cope with what this world is throwing at them, and they, they need Jesus. And so, Father, I pray this morning that we would stop ignoring the call on our lives and find out how, where you want us to be. In Jesus' church, and Jesus' bride, how can we reach our community? Father, there's not a single person that can say, I don't have any ability. There's not a single person that can say that. And if somebody's coming this morning feeling that, I pray that you, would, that you would make that evident to them. Make it clear to them, this is the ability that I have given to you to serve in my kingdom, and I want you to use it. Father, I just pray that we would make ourselves available. Available with our gifts, available with our heart, available with our abilities. Father, you love the whole world so much. You sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die for us so that we would have eternal life, that we would not perish. But Father, I pray that we would hear the call that Jesus put forth, that we are to go and make disciples, that he did not come for those that have been saved, but to reach the lost. He did not come to be served, but to serve. So Father, I pray that we would hear those words of Jesus and follow his example that we would make ourselves available for service in your kingdom. So Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you so much for your grace, a grace that would wash our sins away, but also a grace that would allow us to be a part of what you're doing on this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray.